The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Sean Darby is with us. He's not going to get that heated in here uh, with us, Sean, but uh, nice to have you with us. Um, and, and I'll get your proper title out in just a minute. Uh, you know, we had, we had this situation where we've got, over the past many days, the dollar down and yields down. And we had the Bank of Canada kind of helping out with this idea that central banks will moderate a little bit. Uh, so that's, that's been a trend. Uh, but then if, if central banks are moderating because of recession fears, that's not necessarily good. It, it's probably bad for the economy. But then we, we hear that the stock market almost always bottoms out before a recession is over and sometimes before it even starts. So we're all confused. Where are we at the moment? Well, that's a very good question. So I think the way I would divide it is that there's not really any homogeneous interest rate policy at all amongst all the major central banks. I think you can divide the major central banks into three. You've got those where uh, mortgages are set at the short end, which is very much the UK, RBA and Royal Bank of Canada, and they are very sensitive to rates. You have the U.S., which is following orthodox policy and you know, willing to over-tightening, willing to go into a recession. And then you've got Japan, which has gone on its own path, which is creating inflation. So I'd like to give you a sort of answer that sort of you know, would fit all three of those. I think what I would say to, in respect to the equity markets is if there was two worlds, the equity market would always choose the inflation one versus deflation. Deflation is generally a great environment for bonds, tends to be a pretty difficult environment for equities. Provided inflation is not too high, uh, equities can live with that. But above, I would say, 3 to 4%, what you start to find is that the group of sectors that can live with that level of inflation is pretty narrow. So I hope I've answered your question in a, in a, in a roundabout way. There's not really one answer. That's the difficulty. Well, all three of those groups of central banks you mentioned do have something in common. They rely on backward-looking data to try and determine future policy paths. What are the risks here? They're, they're quite immense, actually. I think the, the reality is there will always be data-dependent, whatever cycle you're going through. But because they were all very late, the chances are that they make a, make a mistake. And I think the difficulty in this one is uh, that in previous inflation episodes, really genuine inflation episodes like the 1970s, we didn't have asset bubbles. And now we have you know, pretty significant you know, property bubbles in most of these economies. And that, I think, is going to be the telling feature of six to nine months down the road, because clearly that will have repercussions for the household sector in terms of mortgage payments, but for the banks in terms mm. of the impact on the impairment charges. Sean, being a chief global equity strategist in such an environment of volatility, can you outline some of the challenges for us at the moment? Where do you put money to work when we can't even really be sure we've found a floor? markets yet? That's a very good question. Um, unfortunately, only two or three asset classes have actually worked year to date. The strong dollar, shorting government bonds, 
and shorting equities. So the, the sort of group of winners is extremely low. And I suspect that uh, everyone's fallen into the camp in which we've actually had some of the worst total returns on, on people's pension funds and 60-40 balance funds in, in modern history. If I was looking six to 12 months out, I would probably be highlighting the fact that there's a reasonable chance that these profit recessions are somewhere in the process of bottoming out. And with many of the yield curves, particularly in the United States inverted, the chances again are, the balance of probabilities are that rates are somewhere peaking at the moment. In that respect, the best things to be doing is to be going back to owning some credit, uh, particularly investment grade, and some owning some large cap equities. Uh, those tend to do quite well coming out of a, a, a tightening phase. And I think that's what we will be probably seeing uh, from most central banks by March next year. I wonder if the uh, very strong selling that we've seen in this bear market, uh, whether or not it, it puts some discipline on management teams uh, and whether or not you know, companies actually get better. We can talk about Facebook just as a microcosm in there. Uh, I might have got too far out over my skis in saying that Mark Zuckerberg will probably realize at some point here that he needs stronger governance at his company, and that will... Uh, perhaps, um, you know, provide a better forward momentum at some point. But, you know, th this really does force a lot of discipline on companies. Uh, and U.S. companies are very good at rolling with the punches. I would agree with you. I guess that some of these more dreamier and more imaginative um, uh, areas that people are wanting to spend money on in the hope that they deliver very large returns. That's fine for I, a certain time, but probably yeah, not now. That's correct. So you can have these sort of Don Quixote type of um, you know, views about where the company should be going, and you can end up going down a, a pretty treacherous path in the expenditure. I guess what I would try to say to investors is that the, perhaps a good thing about this cycle is that the major large caps haven't overextended themselves. And in that respect, when you come out of the cycle, companies don't find they're having to repair the balance sheet and that can, they can go back into a sort of more profitable um, stance quite quickly. And I do think uh, there's a reasonable probability, at least for the US in, in that respect, that that's going to be how the cycle turns. You don't go through what we would call a balance sheet recession, which tends to mean that you repair the balance sheet before you start doing anything else. Well, what's your position on China right now? Because between COVID zero, the property crisis, and the apparent rise of one-man rule and uh, the caprices of uh, one all-powerful leader, uh, what are the risks there? Are there just too many potholes? Well, I, where, where I frame the answer is about two and a half years ago, we wrote a piece about dual circulation and essentially the implications for investing in, in common prosperity. And I wish I'd followed my own advice, and which was to invest 100% in essentially consumer staple stocks. These companies avoided any of the private sector issues that came along um, over the last uh, 18 months and essentially have been running their businesses pretty much since the late 1990s. I mean, in companies like Tingy, Tingtao Brewery. And I think those stocks are actually going to still run pretty much as they have done for the last 20 years. And that sort of playing the consumer at that, that, that sort of juncture um, 
is probably going to be a reasonably profitable um, area to be in. And I think that's how I've sort of framed the answer to questions about uh, you know, running alongside dual circulation and also, of course, this two establishments, which is the more political hegemony. All right, Sean Darby, we'll have to leave it there. But thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Sean Darby is the Chief Global Equity Strategist at Jefferies. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.